Peace and blessings and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Transparent Credit Repair, the superheroes of the financial literacy and credit repair world. Life is not about opening your wallet and paying bills. Life should be about opening your wallet and receiving money. You can do that by repairing and fixing your credit. And Transparent Credit Repair is the company that can help you. I've used them myself. Trust me, they do a great job. If you're interested in repairing your credit, and ensuring yourself more money in your wallet than going out. Please contact them at www.transparentcreditrepair.com and also call them at 862-250-5122. Tell them Heritage Hip Hop sent you and they will take care of you and give you some extra with that recommendation. This episode, we talked to somebody that takes hip hop beyond the street and into the classroom. That's right, we have an MC with a master's degree that teaches in college and uses his hip hop not only to educate and entertain, but to help elevate the community as well. Not just with wordplay, but with raising money and movements to help let people know that hip hop is more than just beats and words. It's also how you stick up for your society and how you represent yourself and the society that you're from. We talked to Keith Chandler of the True and Living Movement. And this episode is special, not only to me, because I got to talk to somebody that really takes education series, but he never sacrificed his education and his right to an education to represent something that he did not believe in. So make sure you stay tuned to this. After this interview, I will come back with the rest of my commentary. Peace and blessings, everybody, and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. And on this episode, I have somebody that I really wanted to talk to since the day I met him at an open mic. Please, introduce yourself to the people. My name is Keith Chandler, Q-U-I-S-C-H-A-N-D-L-A. It's a pleasure and an honor to get to talk to you, bro. Thank you for coming on Heritage Hip Hop. Same, brother. Appreciate you, too. All right, so let's get down to business. See, most people always ask the same questions. I don't want to ask you the same questions, or at least the questions everybody asks the same way. I want to start out a little different, but on the same topic. And the first question I'm going to ask is, you're from Jersey City. How do you define the monster that is Jersey City? How do I define the monster that is Jersey City? See, this is the thing mm -hmm. about Jersey City, right? Jersey City is a very, very, very unique place. And what makes this unique is that we're so close to New York that you see certain things spill into our culture and, you know, to our demeanor. But we're also from Jersey. So when, you know, New Yorkers see us around, they can tell that, you know, we, we, we're, we're not one of them either. So it's like we're sandwiched in, in between, you know, two different edges of being in, you know, North Jersey and New York. So it's only natural that, you know, you start to see something a little bit different in Hungary. Yeah, because my education of New Jersey and especially hip-hop culture in New Jersey is Essex County, more notably, notably Brick City, which is North New Jersey for everybody who doesn't know. And North and Jersey City is like comparing a pit bull to a Rottweiler. It's like two different entities. You You, yeah. you can't make it the same thing. Exactly. What makes Jersey City hip-hop its own besides its identity? 
what makes Jersey City hip hop is that, you know, when we look at, you know, the different dimensions of hip hop, you know, like graffiti, DJing, you know, rap, like we've had pretty much, you know, every single aspect of it. Um, you know, me growing up and really, uh, you know, focusing on music and hip hop, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, you know, we had a large group of individuals that didn't even want to be rappers. Everybody wanted to be a DJ, you know, mm -hmm. and we always tried to create, you know, our own lane. We understood that, you know, we weren't going to be able to cross the water and go to New York and, you know, just get love there, you know, as rappers. We understood that, you know, we can't just leave Jersey City and, you know, go to Essex County and automatically get love, you know, competing with, you know, the neighboring cities of, you know, Irvington, Oranges, and Newark. So it's kind of like we've been on this island and, you know, we're always trying to just, you know, find ways to display our uniqueness or stand out from whenever we're inside of a crowd to let people know, you know, that Jersey City is present. Mm. I like that. And the reason why I do is because I don't think Jersey City is as well known as people think it is. Just like Newark. Newark is more well known because of the riot the 60s riot mm -hmm. and things like that, but not Jersey City. And, I, and, and mm -hmm. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mind being wrong. But when I usually, when I hear people talk, like I, I interviewed a, a prominent hip-hop icon, and he said, when we, he's from New York, he's from Brooklyn, and he said, when we heard about Jersey, people in Jersey didn't rep Jersey in sections. We just thought Jersey was one place. They thought all the black people in New Jersey lived only in Essex County. There was no other county. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So they say, like, when I hear Jersey and I heard of Patterson, I'm like, what the hell is Patterson? All we know is Illtown and Brick City. Then mm -hmm. I think Joe, I think, see, Double X Posse didn't even really blow like that. So when they think about Jersey City, the first person to come to mind is Joe Button. And plus, because he's popular right now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, PM, well, PM, PM Dawn, too. Okay. You know? So, so we've, been, we've been pretty underground, you know, when it comes to, you know, Jersey City. And honestly... You know, a, a, a lot of it is just, you know, kind of sort of that edge with us as well is if we're feeling we're not welcome, you know, we kind of just create our own lane amongst our own and, you know, keep that vibe going. Jersey City is a very comfortable place for people to say, you know, I make this wave just for the city and I'm not even really pushing for anybody else to be okay with it as long as the city is okay with it. Mm. That's very profound all at the same time. It's funny that hip-hop is about repping where you're from, but even where you're from has different compartments that you have to fit in to, to rep, period. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. Now, your story is one that's not the typical hood story, which I'm very happy to hear because, unfortunately, in hip-hop, people always think about the poor kid that got a break, got money, and just wild out tell the people a little bit about who you are and what makes you the mc you are today so you know i grew up um you know i'm, I'm a late 80s you know baby you know 88 i was born and pretty much um you know grew up in you know you get that typical story early on to where it's like you know broken home you know living in a um in, in affordable housing and you know, being around, like, drugs and, you know, violence and all of that. Um, but I think really what my story, which, which which made it so unique within my journey, is that, you know, coming from 
you know, an environment and a neighborhood to where, you know, I've always felt kind of different. I always felt like, you know, even though I'm in the hood, I don't really feel like, you know, this is really, you know, my destiny. And, you know, by the grace of God, you could say like, you know, when I started to really have that, you know, uh, when I started to peak interest in certain things, I always tried to put my best foot forward. And, you know, my first, my first, you know, love was basketball, you know, and, you know, I was able to use that as a passion um, to con continue to stay focused on something positive. You know, eventually I got involved, you know, with some street stuff only on the sense of, you know, just being in an environment, starting to become it. But really deep down knowing that, like, this is not really what I want for myself and, you know, was, you know, really luck luckily was able to be accepted by, you know, uh, one college, you know. I applied to one college, you know, my senior year of high school, really not knowing nothing about it, really not knowing the process. Nobody helped me with it. You know, nobody in my family went to college. And, you know, I got accepted. I got accepted maybe like the uh, the week after it started, you know. And, you know, for me, even at the time, there was so much going on, like, you know, I was into music early on because my mom was a, a really big, you know, hip hop head. But I wasn't I wasn't really, you know, able to sit down and focus on, you know, too much of just trying to survive at that time of my life, you know. And, um, you know, having to be, you know, pretty much stripped from the hood and going to college opened up my mind to a bunch of different things that I can really sit down and focus on without having to worry about you know, your next meal or having to worry about, you know, you know, rivalry, gang rivalry and stuff like that, like really trying to focus um, on something positive. So, you know, just education and music were two things I was able to come out of, you know, that situation loving, you know. Me and you have certain things that are similar in our lives. Um, you're from the era of the, you're from the beginning of the change of the guard in hip-hop and hip-hop culture, because from 88 to about 96, those are the artists that changed the landscape of hip-hop culture to becoming not old school, the old school today, but that old, but that era is the, I'm going to elbow my way in, and nobody's ever going to knock me out my spot. And we took that attitude from elbowing ourselves in and not giving up that spot to being game changers and leaders in society. How does that attitude translate into how you do your hip-hop and what you stand for in your life? Well, you know, like I said, being being stripped, you know, from, you know, the hood for a good amount of time and starting to learn different ways to do things, you know, I was, you know, I was I was a visionary in a sense of when I got an experience and I see that this can help me or this can help the people around me, I'm going to take advantage of it, you know. So my thing was I felt that it was my duty to go back, you know, and kind of get, you know, the people that I felt were still, you know, in a circumstance of not knowing the way, not knowing that there's another way, not having the resources, you know. Um, when we think about you know, just like I said before, college being a space to really be in tune with your thoughts, focus on your craft, you know, it's a it's a very um it's a very it's a very it's it's a resource, you know, that individuals can look at. You know, and at the same time, you know, the internet, you know, started. And once the internet started there was even more access to you no know, resources and things of that nature. 
So my job, well, I felt that my duty and my task is always to make sure that I was able to put people in position who are around me at the same time. And, you know, if I found something new or another way to do something that made it might have been a little bit harder for us, you know, previously, I'm bringing you hip to game and we're going to make sure that everybody around us also is going to get that information. Education is the part of hip hop that people sleep on because, like I said, they think all hip hop MCs, especially, are dumb. Not knowing people like Prodigy went to college, Lil Wayne has a college degree, the brother Fonte from Lil Brother has a college degree, Ludacris mm -hmm. has a college degree, and so many MCs are very well spoken and very educated. Plies is one of the most educated MCs in the game that people sleep on, and mm -hmm. it's not just Killer Mike and Ti that's out there making a difference in our community, it's also brothers like you, me, uh, brothers like, um, there's so many of us, man. I mean, it's hard to just break it down. But yeah. we are a well-spoken, well-represented generation who came from the era of the beginning of black excellence, the Cosby Show, A Different World, and so on. Exactly. You went to college to own your, to own your education, how did the college education and your knowledge of the hood formulate your voice? I mean, my first, it's funny because when I first decided to, um, when I first figured out that I could just learn anything that I wanted to, um, with like, you know, just having access to, to free internet at college, to having, you know, the opportunity to have that time to study and learn things, and even, you know, learning different ways of studying and learning information, you know, um, I wanted to be able to tell some of the stories of things that I've experienced growing up that people who I went to college with weren't necessarily hip to, you know? So when it comes down to, you know, you're going home for the weekend and you telling me that, you know, you've never watched clothes in your life and I'm telling you, well, I'm saying here because, you know, one thing that's, you know, for me back home is, you know, time and circumstance you know, in, in a devil's playground. So, you know, I want to be able to get you to understand that not just within this conversation, but also musically, you know. So initially, mm. my first my first name, my, my, my moniker in the beginning wasn't even Keith. I was going by Conscious Keith, you know, because mm. I was really focused on, I want to tell this story of how, you know, I was able to come from, you know, a space where I really didn't know, you know, where I was going to be the next 10 years. And now I'm like, you know, able to sit around here, you know, I got a job, you know, I know what taxes are, I know, you know, how to put, um, you know, uh, I know how to put, you know, words together in, in this way that, you know, people resonate and tell these stories. And, you know, it was really, it was really my focus, you know, to bring light and having a degree that I was getting at the time in sociology, you know, we talked about racism and just learning about like the systems that are in place you know, that have impacted me for so long, but nobody ever able to break it down to me. I'm like, whoa, all of this information needs to be shared with people to, to understand our circumstances to find a way to, 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 to start to make some changes, you know? So I can, I, I'll use that, you know, information that I got early on in education and was able to use that to get my master's, to get my doctorate, you know, and still at this point now, you know, teaching in the university, you know, while at the same time making music to express it on both in both avenues. Interesting. Very interesting. What college did you go to? For my undergrad, I went to Centenary College 
now University at Hack in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And then from that experience, I decided to go to a HBCU for my master's where I went to Morgan State University in Baltimore. And I was there for six years getting my master's and my doctorate. Shout out to you and shout out to the institutions as well. Because I think we all, we all owe it to ourselves to touch higher education because so many people don't believe in us to do it and we have to believe in it to beat them at their own game. So shout out to you for doing that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. One thing I find about people who are quote unquote educated in hip hop, people think we talk over them while not talking to them. Has that ever been something that you've had to face or and how did you face it? So one of the things um one of the things that I started to understand as, you know, I started to get this information and went, and was so, you know, um excited to share this information whether it be through music or uh, you know, my conversations with, you know, people that I consider my peers is that a lot of them, you know, really because of circumstance didn't have the same opportunity that I had. You know, I can say that the kind of um, everything was kind of aligned, you know, for me to, you know, the universe kind of set it up for me to, you know, leave at the time that I left, you know, bump into people that I needed, you know, create circles around me that I needed so that when it came time, you know, to share this information or try to, like, you know, help, you know, those around me try to find different ways, um, there was this sense of survivor's guilt, you know, that started to emerge to where, yeah, I, I found a way to make it down to Baltimore, even though Baltimore is, you know, when it, when it, when it, comes, when it comes to, you know, crime and poverty, you know, North mm-hmm. Jersey City crime ain't really touching Baltimore, but, you know, when when I was down there, you know, I was still in a space to where, it's, you know, I'm self-sufficient. You know, I can pay my own bills. I, ain't, you know, I ain't got no kids. I don't have, you know, any addictions. You know, and it's like trying to come home and or even looking at, you know, certain things that were happening while I was away, like you know, childhood friends being killed. You know, coming back on the funerals, and you know, you start to get that survivor's guilt, and you start to get people around you or people that you may have known, you know, for decades at a time to consider your friends. You know, they don't really understand what's happening, so they start to feel um, vulnerable. You know, they start to get to the, the space of, you know, why 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 is he in this predicament and not me? You know, and some of the conversations start to be, you know, you might you you think that you're better than us. You know, without it even coming out my mouth. You know, it's it's kind of really them not understanding what's going on. You know, not understanding. You know, if you're making sense of what you're trying to share. But, you know, really having, you know, a kind of butt of the hedge to where you're in this circumstance, I'm in this circumstance, and I've been so conditioned that I can't even believe some of the stuff that you're telling me, or I'm not ready for this information at this time. You know what? And that brings us to a point on your album that I really want to touch on. Because um, <laughs> on one of your coffee breaks on coffee and chemtrails, mm-hmm. I believe you're talking to P-Dot. Shout out to P-Dot. Yeah, and, um, yeah. All right, and um, <laughs> on it, he was saying, I believe it's him. You can correct me if I'm wrong. He was saying, like, people know you can spit, but they want to turn up, and you talking about knowledge, and they're not ready for the knowledge. They ain't ready for that. They just want to turn up. It's too wordy for them. Mm-hmm. And I find that some of the baggage 
of being trained in the in the era of college to people who are not trained in that era is you could be so word spoken that their brains don't catch up to the message. How has that affected you when it comes to creating art where you're conveying a message to the people and you see that people may not receive it the way you want to give it? I can say that, you know, initially, I mean, my favorite rappers are Nas, you know, my favorite rappers are, you know, Nas, Biggie, you know, Joe Button, you know, I got a, a Jay-Z, like, I, I, I gra- I've always gravitated to wordsmiths, you know, one of my, fi- some of my favorite rappers right now were like, you know, Freddie Gibbs, Royce of 5'9", I've always gravitated to, to wordsmiths, you know, I've always appreciated how, you know, even though it took you like three, you know, even if it took you like three bars to get your point across, I appreciated how you were able to do that. So, you know, like you were saying, like, I was kind of conditioned, you know, to thinking that that's hard, but really to speak the language. And my, my mission was always to be the, to take the language that I learned, you know, in a, in an institution such as college and try to translate it in a way that can be digested, you know, by the people from my, from my neighborhood. And even in that effort, you know, I don't think that I was as aware of how my dialect started to change, how my word choice, you know, started to shift, Um, especially when I was in a doctoral program. I mean, I was, you know, writing my dissertation for so long, you know, I was, I was, my whole language had changed at one point. And, you know, what I found that is, especially in, you know, my, my debut album, The Notch Tape, I was giving these stories. You know, to where if you're telling a story, you know, from beginning to end, you know, we can just follow this, you know, in a um, chronological order. However, if I'm, you know, giving you a bar here and I break off and tell a story here, I started to see that some of the bars were going over people's heads. I started to fo- I started to see that I would have to, like, break it down to people, you know, and I started to realize, especially when performing, when I stopped the beat, and we start to say things a cappella, I would get a total different reaction from when if I just said, hey, listen to this song, tell me what you think. So what I really try to do in Coffee and Chemtrails and what I'm really trying to do moving forward is to really try my best to say a lot within a little. You, you know what's mean? funny? Yeah, because you know what's funny? That's what Eminem and Jay-Z said. They said their best lines are the words that they don't say. Because... Mm-hmm. When you take something out, that leaves people wanting more, and that shows your depth. I'm saying I'm I'm proud I'm proud of you in this aspect. You're not afraid to let your style grow because by listening to the Knox tape and going to Coffee and Chemtrails, I saw the growth of an MC. You know what I'm saying? And thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Oh, no doubt. And believe me, I am not a dope MC. I used to rap myself, and I'm not going to say I was dope because I look at y'all and y'all work at that craft, and I salute. All of you who do it, but I remember when I first tried to rap, and um, I was recording, and even one of my partners told me, "You're saying too much. Mm-hmm. Fall back a little bit." And that's when the art got appreciated by me because it wasn't just putting words together; it was putting a concept together to make an idea. Mm-hmm. And that's the true gift of an MC. Let's talk about that though, because that's all I IDK or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One, one, one of the better story raps that I've heard in a while, and that one, and on that one, you really poured your heart. 
Why do you think hip-hop is the perfect arena to pour your heart out and not just have fun and turn up? I mean, if we, if we, if we go back to, you know, just spoken word and poetry, you know, if we think about, you know, a man, you know, not trying to seem vulnerable because I want to, let's say, let's say, let's say there's a woman that I want to date, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say, you know, she wants, you know, this, this manly man or, you know, she wants somebody that can be protective. If we think about like, you know, movies like Love Jones and such, you know, women really look at, you know, spoken word and, you know, being in touch with your feelings over a beat or over a mic as something that's, you know, acceptable, you know, and even even men, you know, it's like a safe space to be able to talk about, you know, some of your own demons or, you know, some unresolved issues or trauma or things around your life that, you know, you've never come to grips with. You know, it's something noble about standing there and having people in front of you and being able to tell that story and giving it to them and letting them, you know, start to shift and change how they look at you based on, you know, some of the, you know, harder issues in your life that you may not have shared in casual conversation. You know, it's a little bit easier for me to write IDK and put it on wax, ship it out to people to be able to listen to, opposed to me being face-to-face -face with somebody and have, having to go and experience all of those emotions in conversation, trying to stay on track, and then trying to continue tonight. You know? It's a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, that's the part about being an MC that's really punctual, is the message... And the story, I believe hip hop. Everybody listening to hip um, heritage hip hop knows I believe this. I stand by this to this day. I want to get your opinion on this. I believe hip hop is full of participants and not artists. How do you feel about that? Listen, man. You know, with 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 the company that I have, True and Living. You know, we we've sat there and we've had meetings and we've sat with artists and we've tried to work with you know artists who come to us and said that you know, they're ready to work. And my thing is like, you know, I try to talk to especially the younger artists about all that comes with, you know, taking that first step and wanting to be an artist. And, you know, today it's so easy for you to be able to, you know, find a studio, get a couple of dollars, go record it, put it online and call yourself a rapper, you know, um, where back in the day, it's like, if you call yourself a rapper, well, all right, we about to get a popping right here on the corner. If you ain't got nothing hot right now, then you out of here, you know? <laughs> I, I had a conversation with P-Dot, you know, the other day. You know, me and him have conversations every single day, and, you know, I told him that, you know, it's a little bit different. I have a certain amount of respect for you if, if I see you if I see you performing live. You know, if you've never performed live and all you do is, you know, put a, a song out there, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at you kind of funny because I need to know that you're invested in this and you're willing to put yourself in a space of people that don't really know you, that's not from your hood, you know, that's not your mom, that's going to sit there and clap for you. You give them your, your all of your performance, and you have to sit there and wait for them to give you whether they approve of you or they think that you need to go back and do some work. And I think that it's really easy today for people to mask whether they're actually putting in the work and working hard at it or they can just come up with something that's catchy for the next five minutes but then forgotten about. Talk about your company and what kind of hip-hop y'all stand for. And what do y'all stand for when it comes to the hip-hop culture? 
I mean, when it comes to the hip-hop culture, all of my partners, you know, for the most part, you know, we're into lyricism. You know, we're into live performance. That's something that we gravitate towards. That's why, you know, um, our signature event is, you know, where these bars are, you know, open cipher, open cipher, open cipher event. Because we want to be able to get people, you know, to, to, to work on their craft, you know, to develop their craft. And, you know, we've had artists that have come and they've had totally different sounds, you know, and it's funny because some of the artists that don't necessarily have like, you know, or focus their craft on, let's say, lyricism or wordplay, you know, but can, you know, put together a catchy song, they've excelled on our event platform. You know, they've they've stepped up to the plate and challenged themselves and say, you know what, if I'm a person that like, you know, I do melodies on this beat for this next 16, I'm going to come up with the most melodic freestyle I can come up with and y'all going to ride with me. We had a dude come up to one of our events that did a hook like Nick Dogg for the whole time and he had the entire room just feeling him the entire time. And I think that's a true artist to be able to come into a, come on a stage or come into a room, you know, and no matter what, if it's some type of element of hip hop, you can adjust and make it work, you know? And, you know, that's, that's what we, 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 we pride ourselves on, on, on making artists challenge themselves and making artists, you know, really try to put their best foot forward and be vulnerable and understand that, you know, if you fall down, but if you get up, it's more respectable than you sh- not showing up at all. Hell yeah. I mean, many, many times in hip-hop or hip-hop movements, we have people who just represent, but they even don't know what they're representing. And you have many teams of people or people who try to join teams that's only joining for the clout, not joining for the work, the work ethic or being successful, because success is measured by different things. What is the most successful thing your team has done, and how do you continue that successful turn of winning? Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two things. Um, the most successful thing my team has done, number one, is putting together um, our event at South by Southwest last year. Okay, and I say that because. We put a lot of money up, and we lost a lot of money at the same time. And to see the fire of the team to say, hey, we may not be ready for this today, but if we at least try, we'll come back with an experience that at least we can learn from, and we can modify, make some changes, so the next time the opportunity presents itself, you know, we'll be able, you know, to, to weather the storm. And, you know, as an individual who performed at South by Southwest since 2015, excuse me, 2016, you know, I didn't think we were ready. You know, and my partners were like, nah, we got to do it. If we don't do it now, you know, then we're not going to have the experience of how we could put it together. And I, the whole time, you know, I'm sitting there reluctant, like, oh, all right, well, you know, let's try. And when we went out there and we did it, you know, yeah, we lost a lot of money, you know, but the experience and the things that we learned throughout the process, you know, it, it, it helped us in so many different ways, you know, that it told us that, you know, even though you have these industries, these companies that have been doing this for so long, if you have the right mind frame, you know, and you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to sacrifice, you can make things happen. You know, and from that, 
The second thing that I'm proud of is that, you know, um, I went on tour for the first time, you know, as an artist, you know, this past, uh, this past winter, you know, before the pandemic started in, you know, even though the, the tour got cut short, like, you know, I can say from that South by Southwest experience, you know, we were able to figure out how to book venues. We were able to figure out, you know, how to book promoters. We were able to figure out how to, how to book talent. You know, and our last show in Baltimore, you know, we, we took people on the road with us. We went down to Baltimore with, you know, Real Music and HK. You know, people don't know them from a grain of salt, but familiar with me because, you know, my years down there, we were able to, you know, fill up half the room. You know, and it's like to say a lot for, you know, people that's never heard, you know, some of this music before, seeing any of these artists really want to come purchase a ticket and stay for the entire show and leave, you know, as a fan. You know, and to see how we were able to put that together. We planned that probably, I want to say, all in but two and a half months, you know. And this time we weren't losing money, you know. We weren't breaking bank, you know. But we were keeping ourselves afloat to say, okay, this is something that if we continue to build on, you know, it's really going to be something in a, in a game changer. Hmm. See, that's called effort. <laughs> A lot of people don't even make effort. They just want to. They just. They just want to put something out. And I don't want to bash because that's the wrong thing. Because hip hop nowadays is looking at people go through the A and R A and R process and and, and development through live spots or live time. Like right now, like we're living through it. So the person that you are when you start will never be the person that you turn out to be in the end. And if you don't enjoy that journey, you don't enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Part of enjoying that journey and that story takes us from the Knotts tape to the Coffee and Chemtrails album, where not only lyrically you got better, not only did your expression get better, not only did your clarity get better, the cohesiveness of how you put the project together also grew between those two projects what was the most invaluable lesson that you learned that you're going to take to the next project hmm. i can say that with with i can say that with the knots tape i really wanted to just get it out the way you know because like <laughs> i said I, I thought i thought i had so much I thought I had so much to tell people outside of, oh, I made it from the hood, and I went to the hood, and I went to college, and I lost people. Like, you know, I felt that I wasn't comfortable, honestly, with really sharing any of those stories. You know, I wanted to talk about me as an adult, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna talk to you about what I go through today, because I feel like that it'll help you more. But you know, I had people around me to say, no, they deserve to hear that story, and I said, okay, we'll do it. And then I started to appreciate it as I experienced it and was able to get closure in it. Um, with coffee and chemtrails, you know, like you were saying, it's all about cohesiveness and how's it sound. And, you know, there was a lot of throwaways for coffee and chemtrails that I was like, mm, it just don't fit the album, you know, but I still want to keep the same message, you know, but my only thing with coffee and chemtrails is I think I tried to rap. I tried to prove that I could rap too much. And that's my only, that's the only thing that I would, you know, um, only blemish that I would say was on Coffee and Chemtrails because I love the album, I love the songs, but, you know, I think I tried a little bit too hard, you know, and I think that with the next projects that I have coming up and the way that I'm crafting music now is that I don't feel like I have anything to prove, 
I feel like that I can really be one with the music. I can be one with the art. And even though, you know, I don't want anything to prove, I'm still trying to step myself up as a as a lyricist and as a rapper, but in a different way of, I got to tell you all of these words. I got to rap so fast and I got to have all of these syllables to where I want you to be able to digest and sit with what I'm telling you. And I don't want it to just be good music to you. I want it to be life lessons and things that you can't wait to share with others. Mm. I'm glad you said that. Stop right there. Because mm. articulation is the point of being an MC. And you said there was times when you felt like you rapped too much. One of my favorite songs that you did from the Knox tape was My Teacher Was My CO. Mm-hmm. I took that to another lesson that was put on Coffee and Chemtrails called Fuck the Promoter and also <laughs> Open Wounds. Mm-hmm. Explain those two songs with what you just said. Which which ones? The uh, My Teacher's My CEO and... And, uh, and, and with um, Open Wounds and Fuck the Promoter. Because what you said, you did in those three songs very well. Please explain. Mm-hmm. So... So I can say with My Teacher Was My CEO, My Teacher Was My CEO was actually the last song that I made on the Notch tape. And I knew I was going to rap a lot. Like when, you know, my homie Janai made the beat, I said, yo, I need you to make a beat. I said, but I need this beat to be so, I need the sounds to be so soft because I'm going to be rap, I'm gonna be rapping so much that I don't want it to feel overwhelming. So that's why when you hear My Teacher Was My CEO, it's very soft sounds and there's only a lot of, you know, I, I leave a lot of air, you know, even though it's a lot of rapping for people to just, you know, resonate with what I'm saying. You know, when I say like, so let me tell you, like, I don't even get to the part where I say, let me tell you what my teacher was, that my teacher was my CEO until maybe about a minute and a half, you know, into the song because mm-hmm. I want to you know, walk with you and get you there. Um, and with, you know, with, with, with Fuck the Promoter, it was just like, you know, I knew that that track was going to be able to resonate to the people that appreciate, you know, rapping your behind off, you know? Like, I knew that rappers are, are the people that I'm targeting with this song, and the rappers are going to feel it, and the rappers are going to make people that don't understand the rapper's plight listen to some of the miniature stories that I put in this, in this, uh, in this song. And, you know, with those two tracks, it was really, you know, I'm going to rap a lot on this, but it's, it's it's purposeful, you know. And then lastly, with Open Wounds, you know, anytime you get a, a song that's going to be me and P-Dot, you know, we're both, you know, in the sense of, you know, we're, we're trying to out-rap each other. Um, <laughs> but just the hook in itself, you know, I thought would would, would grab people in to the point that they felt like they had to stay. Like watching a movie that credits is fire, you know, or when, you know, one show goes off, they show you the preview of the next show, and you're like, all right, let me see what this is about. I thought the hook was going to be able to grab them. So by the time, if it might be too much, you know, you're already here, you might as well stay for the rest of the rest of the, uh, rest of the show. Okay. One of my songs, well, one of the songs, I should say, that you made was PTS Deep. Mm-hmm. PTS Deep is one of those songs that you have to inhale slowly because it's so visual and factual. 
tell us about what was the vision and what was the message that you want to portray in that song. It, it's funny because um, PTSD, I actually performed um, my first performance after the pandemic. I got invited to perform at Groove on Grove in Jersey City, and which was, which is a um, a showcase that they put on on Grove Street, downtown Jersey City, every year for like the last 20 years, and they've never invited hip-hop. And they've invited hip-hop for the first time this year. However, they had the pandemic, so we did a private concert via live stream. And it was actually the week after George Floyd. No, it was two days after George Floyd uh, was murdered on camera. And when I made PTS Deep, you know, in 2000. 19, I'm sorry, 2018, I made that track because I wanted to speak about the fact that we don't speak on trauma a lot within the black community. We don't really mm -hmm. talk about things that you've seen that as a little kid you should not have seen. We don't talk about the fact that there are experiences that happen within the hood that nobody addressed, you know, i.e., Losing somebody to gun violence, losing a family member to an overdose, having a, pam, a, a family member be, be stripped from the household and placed in car, incarcerated. And we don't talk about those traumas or be able to process it. You know, at sometimes it's like we're even desensitized to it to say, well, such and such locked up, they'll be home in about six years. No, your whole family changes. And that, that, that deserves a discussion on how you're going to process now having to throw away your childhood and actually be a man in a house that nobody is going to be able to guide you along the way. And you're going to be, make, you're going to be, you're going to make mistakes and people are going to look at you and say, you have to do better. That's a traumatic experience along mm -hmm. with seeing people that are killed, along with seeing people, you know, who are suffering from substance abuse. And I felt that, you know, somebody had to speak up, you know, that, yo, go, go get some help. It's help out there. It's okay. It's okay to speak about it. Don't ignore it. You know, and even with the 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 the, the performance that I had at the Groove on Grove, they were like, you know, say something about George Floyd, but don't make it political. And I felt like it was my duty, you know, in front of Groove on Grove. This first time you listen to hip hop, this is still happening. Two years after I made this song, I haven't performed PTSD in over a year and a half. I I performed it that day. You know, because I felt like it needed to be said. Like, everything that I said is happening today. We're still talking about it. You know, and not to say that things should have changed because, you know, we've been marching and doing a bunch of stuff for, for centuries now. But, you know, at least within my music, I'm always going to, you know, try to speak the ills and, you know, to speak for those who feel like they are silent. So don't, ha don't have the right words to express, you know, what's really going on. That's interesting, and I want to ask you this question. Um, on Heritage Hip Hop, we have a talk show called The Mike Council. I don't know if you've seen the last episode, but if you haven't, I will advise you, please, share it and tell me what you think when you see it. It was about America's current climate and hip-hop's responsibility. And even today, we have two rappers who are considered activists, J. Cole and No Name, going at each other about people not saying anything and people not doing anything. And you made a song which, like you said, two years to the day and things are still going on. Um, Hip-hop's major birth was being a voice for the voiceless. 
And we take air from Nina Simone when she says that the music that the artist makes should represent and reflect the times that we're living in today. How much of a crime is it to you in American culture that we're still making songs and messages that still relate about black pain, white privilege, black suffrage, the lie of slavery, the truth of slavery? Why? why what crime is it that that's still the narrative 400 years and 56 years into the hip-hop history? It's hard, man. You know, it's, it's hard in the sense of, you know, we haven't even dug deep into some other stuff that's going on. You know, we haven't talked about, like, you know, we, we, we've just started to talk about the, the lack of, you know, black bodies and black business and black art and black entrepreneurship. You know, we've, we've just started to have those conversations. But as we're still trying to get to that level to where we can have, you know, more CEOs and, you know, running this culture that we created, we still got to go back and talk about what made us want to make music to begin with. Hey, I'm not seeing I'm looking at my projects from outside my window and I just see all of this stuff happening. You know, life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high because you never know where you want to go. Like we're still making, we're still making songs about things that are happening today. And it's, it's a distraction for where we want to go next, but it's, it's a distraction because of things aren't just aren't changing. You know, we actually we ask for changes in in law enforcement and police brutality. They tell us, oh, okay, we're gonna take cops off of the network. We're gonna take park patrol. We didn't ask for that. You know, we asked for you guys to come up with some policies that we can make sure that we're at least gonna have a fair advantage when it comes to mass incarceration, when it comes to run-ins with the law. You know, that our black lives are at least gonna be um, valued and appreciated. You know, and not be taken away in a blink of an eye just because you you know, have less, a less of a value, you know, in your interaction with me, you know, mm. I, it's like I told you before, when I, when I created the Notch tape, I wanted to bypass all of that, you know, I didn't want to talk about all of that, I grew up on that, I know the story, I don't want to tell my story within that story, I want to get to what I think we should be doing next, you know, being resourceful, working together, doing stuff together within our communities, enable us to uplift each other, but somehow we still have to go back, and now there's another PTSD, and now there's another changes. And now there's another, you know, um, what is it, snow in the blood. You know, it's, it's, it's so many different times that we have to revert back. So it's like we take ten steps forward, you know, and then they bring us five steps back. You know, and hopefully it gets mm. to the point where, you know, we can, we can then talk about some other things because it's a lot more. It's a lot more things that we haven't talked about. Like, I want to talk about code switching. You know, I want to talk about code switching in, in, in the workforce. You know, I want to talk about, you know, the black dollar. I want to talk about, you know, redlining. We haven't even broke the seal to talk about, you know, that. We're still talking about slavery, racism, prejudicism, and cops killing us. The same narrative. But in, in, but in helping to change the narrative, you yourself have raised money for causes and used your network, used your, 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 your PhD doctorate, used your, your personal accolades to do social accolades. Why don't you tell us about that and how you use your hip hop to change the world positively? So, you know, this, you know, being a full time professor, um, you know, and a rapper at the same time is, it's, it's a daunting task because you wear two hats and, you know, you really have to think about, two different things, um, but kind of similar in the same. 
Um, I have a doctorate and a master's in social work, you know, mm-hmm. so I took it upon myself to really figure out, you know, underserved populations and how they came to be without, you know, and it's pretty, and it's a pretty ugly story. You know, we think about slavery and people bringing us over to America and, you know, that, but then even, you know, policies and legislation and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's all ugly. You know, for me, I wanted to just get as much information as possible so we could try to reverse, you know, some of these um, barriers that we have in front of us. Um, so, you know, with getting all that information, you know, I just wanted to learn how to network. I wanted to learn about agencies. I wanted to learn about, you know, legislation, you know, that can start to alleviate um, or ease some of the pain that we're experiencing. You know, so with uh, with us being in this pandemic, you know, I talked to PDOT about, um, trying to find some organizations that, you know, are really suffering during this time um, with not being able to at least generate revenue or, you know, be able to um, reach out to the people that they have the need. And, you know, we did the May 22nd um, Spaz and Flow Benefit Concert. For those of you guys don't, that don't know, whenever me and PDOT, you know, combine, we become Spaz and Flow. I'm Spaz and he Flow. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's Spaz. He's Spaz and I'm Flow. But um, mm-hmm. that, what happened? What happened is, you know, I talked to him about it. You know, he said it was a good idea. That was actually the first time when we did the benefit concert that we saw each other the entire pandemic. You know, and like I said, that's my cousin. So we went from seeing each other like every couple of days to I ain't seen you in three months. And the first time is, you know, for this good cause. So I was able to reach out to some organizations, and I linked it with the uh, the Academy 365. That's an organization in North Jersey that focuses on changing the narrative for black men in America. And, you know, once I heard what they were doing, I was like, awesome, this is great. And, you know, they were saying that they wanted to um, get Chromebooks, you know, for the kids that they sponsor because with us being in the house and them having to do schoolwork, they found out that most of these children don't have access to computers. And some of them are, you know, for the most part, computer illiterate. You know, they know how to work cell phones, you know, but they don't know how to work, you know, laptops. So, you know, they had cracked the, cracked the deal, and, you know, they told me a number, and I said, look, I said, I want to help in any type of way that I can. I said, I'm going to reach for a goal of $250. They said, if you could reach $250, that's great. You know, so me and PDOT really used that as, you know, a competition. He used, he uh reached out to a lavish uh, group home, which is a nursing home, um, and he wanted to cater food for them. So I said, all right, well, you know, we'll sit there and use that as, like, friendly competition. At the end of the day, we all win. And, you know, I look at social media as, you know, a way to get information across the mass amount of people. But I also have, you know, email lists and, you know, text messages that I can reach out to people that have been supporting me through my, you know, music career. And, you know, once I sent it out to them, hey, you know, if you can help out, my goal is 250, whatever you can give. Within three days, we had $800, you know, and we only wanted 250. So, you know, I was just happy for us to be able to, you know, make that change and be able to, you know, um, make a difference. You know, that's, it sounds cliche, but that's all I've ever tried to do is inspire people through my music. I never got into music for, for money. I never got into music for fame. You know, I don't really care about, you know, the flash and all of that, you know. Um, my, my stylist, you know, she gets on me because I don't really care about sometimes I, I just want to come outside with a T-shirt, you know, and some shoes on. And she's like, and, you know, that's not how you're going to get your music in front of people. But, you know, I try to remain as genuine as possible. So I'm always looking to connect my, you know, music or whatever I'm doing with the philanthropy. Right now, what we got 
You know, I decided for the month of June, all my merchandise for my um coffee and chemtrail shirts are going to the George Floyd Memorial Fund, as well as the New Jersey Social Justice Institute, which is an organization in New Jersey focused on um changing the prison system and making sure that individuals or young men um who are uh in the I want to say the criminal justice system are given a fair shot for alternative choices opposed to, you know, being sent to jail as a youth. And, you know, they're going to do that by creating programs that's going to help with behavior modification and so on and so forth. So all of my merchandise sales for this month are going to them. Like I said before, I'm a college professor. You know, I don't really need the money. You know, I'm not in music for the money. So, you know, I'm going to allocate all of those funds directly to those organizations. Facts. I like that. Yeah. Um, understanding what everything that you just said. See, the major thing and the major key to what you said and why I was so happy to have this interview is because when you when I do my research on somebody, I start with the music. Then I try to go a little deeper. And for you, I was able to find something deep. I was able to find cause. I was able to find depth. I was able to find the direction of hip-hop that goes far beyond the music. How important for you is it to represent the culture, not just the music that you represent? It's very important to represent the culture. You know, remember this this culture and this, you know, genre that we call hip-hop, you know, came from the fact that, you know, as a people that were without, we've always found find a way to make do and to keep it pushing. You know, hip-hop came from, you know, Cool Herc being able to say, yo, my family here, we trying to have a good time, y'all pull up, we got some food. You know, and we just gonna kick back. You know, we understand that things are hard outside. We understand crime is there, but in here it's a safe space. You know, when we're able to say that, we're able to ease the pain of those that are experiencing, you know, some of the ills of, of this country and being, you know, in a disenfranchised, you know, or an underserved population. So as long as we, you know, keep a stranglehold or keep, you know, our eyes and our grips on the culture, you know, we'll be able to continue to make sure that the culture, you know, does for us. You know, and it helps to continue to build on the people that have created it, you know, and the ones that keep it moving and keep it pushing, you know, not the ones that are just here for a quick check and bounce. Word. And with that being said, before we close out our interview, please give everybody your social media and your movement so they can look you up and look at the wonderful deeds that you're doing throughout the community. So, again, I'm Keith Chandler. That's spelled Q-U-I-S-C-H-A-N-D-L-A. You can find me on all social medias at Keith Chandler. You can find me on all streaming platforms as well. You can also follow my event production company, True and Living LLC. That's T-R-U-E, the letter N-L-I-V-I-N-L-L-C. I got some new music on the way. So, you know, we're going to finish 2020 with a bang, despite, you know, how things have, you know, happened thus far halfway through. So, you know, just stay on the lookout. And, you know, I appreciate everybody, your support, and Karel for having me. That's right, everybody. And bottom line is hip-hop is not just what you do. It's how you live. But I co-sign this man right here. And everybody knows it's hard to get a co-sign from Karev. That 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 goes without saying. I, I, I don't like everybody's music. I really don't. But for somebody that I really put my name on, it's because of something that they do very solid in the community, not just the music. So for everybody out there, streaming is cool. Stream if you want to get, if you're interested. But if you find that he has music that you like, spend the dollar and purchase. Purchase power is more powerful for the artist and the culture itself. So instead of buying a juice or water, 
you know, a scratch off or something that you may throw a dollar away on, if there's a single that you like, pay the dollar and sow into the ministry because that's the way you get back many blessings is giving to them so they can give to others because they don't just make music for themselves. They make music for our overall global hip-hop community. All right. And with that said, it's time to close out. So we're going to go to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready for these questions? Let's go. All right. They're not yes or no questions, and I don't care what your favorite snack is, who got the fattest butt, or or <laughs> what's your favorite TV show. I really don't care. What I care about is showing people more exposure of your depth. And for you, I have different questions that I don't usually ask. So this should be a kind of exciting for the people who normally listen to this um this podcast or normally watch Heritage Hip Hop. Are you ready for this? Let's go. Here we go. We're going to mix it up. We're going to go music, politics, music, politics. And here we go. First musical question. What song or album represents you perfectly, but you didn't make it? It has to come from another artist. Represents me per- perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nas Memory Lane. Wow. So you're all about remembering the community and giving back to your peoples. Yeah, I rap, I rap for listeners. Bloodhead, Follow These and Prisoners. Hennessy Holds in the Old School... You know, you know the vibe, man. You know the vibe. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And that's what it is, though. That's classic. Once again, that's from that 90, 88 to 96 era. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's that era that we're talking about. So salute to you, which is also the changing of the guard and the beginning of the prophecy of the enlightenment that we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Second question, which is po- where's po- politics. How much do black lives matter if in the law Black people are still not considered citizens on paper and pen. Black Lives Matter is just a slogan. You know, it's something that it's something that we put in the air and the, that we were trying to convince people to at least acknowledge. Because we still know that a lot of them will not believe it. But as long as we keep saying it, hopefully we can at least at least get people accustomed to it, accustomed to hearing it, so that they might start to change their mind. Mm. Music question. What scholar changed your life that was an MC that made you pick up a pen and write your book? What scholar? By scholar, you mean like that's not a rapper? I mean, take it any way you want. It's <laughs> your sure Um, I would say Malcolm X. Okay. I, I, read, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and. You know, that was one of the game changers for me in terms of how much education I got just from that book. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, I was maybe a junior in college. And I was like, I've learned more in this book than I've learned my entire tenure in college. And for me, that's bars. <laughs> True indeed. I read that book for the first time when I was in eighth grade, and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. And, and, and it gave perspective on things that school does not give. But life was waiting to teach you, but you weren't ready for it yet, you know? Exactly. Goes back to a hip-hop question now. Hip-hop has many activists and many people in the community who have changed the game so that it isn't just music. Who are your top, not political rappers, but community rappers who have actually changed the community with their messages? Uh, Of course, i got to go with number one, Killer Mike. Um, Killer Mike has used his platform in, you know, so many different areas and speaking about, you know, some of the ills that exist, you know, within the country and things that need to be changed. Um, 
then I would go with, um, you know, Kendrick, you know, continue to push in the narrative at one of the highest, you know, um, plateaus of the game in terms of being, you know, the hottest or most lyrical MC. Um, and then the last I would have to say is, I would say, I'm going to say, it's not an MC, but I'm going to say Ninth Wonder. And I'm going to only say Ninth Wonder really? because, you know, Ninth Wonder was able to also show that hip-hop can be present in in higher ed. And it started to open doors for other professors, you know, I mean, for other MCs to start to get, um, you know, lecturer or uh, resident gigs such as Mad Skills, you know, and Bun B. So I'm, I'm going to go with those three. Killer Mike, uh, Kendrick, and Ninth Wonder. Nice. Next question. Coffee and chemtrails hits me this way. Coffee is an internal stimulant that keeps you up. Chemtrails are external stimulant that keeps you down. What was the message in the in the what was the message in the title of the album? The message in the title of the album is that, you know, as we're sitting here and, you know, we're looking today to continue to push us and keep us going. You know, we're still going to have to deal with, deal with things that be, are beyond our control, you know, that are still set up for us to be able to face, be, for us to face these challenges. However, you know, as long as we got coffee and as long as we start our day on a good note, you know, hopefully we have some good experience that can help us to get about what's going on around us just for a little bit or until we start to have to, you know, take some action. Mm. Eloquently put, and thank you very much for that, because I wanted to walk away with something on that title. My next question is, the remix is something that made hip-hop long-lasting, because people would remake songs that they already put out with new beats or other people on it to give the song longevity. So as a, as a hip-hopper, I ask you, what is the best remix of all time? Woo! <laughs> the best remix of all time. Mm-hmm. Um... Best remix of all time. I mean, I, of course, I gotta go with. Actually, I must say the best remix of all time is "Flavor in Your Ear." It's a, it was tight for me between that and "All About the Benjamins," but I'm okay. gonna go with "Flavor in Your Ear" only because it was like one of the first. Okay, hey, if that's the answer. That's what's up. I ain't even mad at you. Okay, mm -hmm. next question. What do you think is the major? What do you think is the major plot point of education? Is education used to build the mind or is education used to refuel the society? Say that one more time. What is the major movement of education? Is education used to build the mind or is education used to refill or replenish the society? It depends. It depends mm -hmm. whether it's informal or whether it's formal. Um, I think informal. I think I think informal education is to replenish the mind, and you know, for us to continue to be able to build on our experiences to make things better for those that come after us. And I think that formal education initially is only for only to, only to um, only to categorize who's a, who has the, the best ability to retain certain information and then later on um, for individuals who actually want to study a specific craft and use that 
as a way of um, creating some type of career uh, for themselves. Okay, I like that. Because it all comes with the usage of words, and that's what MCs do. They use their words to to help mold the mind and the society through what's being said and, and um, expressed. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So being that words are important, features are important in hip-hop nowadays, where I really think features are trash. But mm-hmm. you are one of the few people who've actually had projects where you don't feature a lot of people. So I commend mm-hmm. you on being someone who works on his craft and to be able to carry a song of his own. Mm-hmm. The the feature was special back in the day. But now it's not yeah. so much because everybody jumps on everybody's song. But I ask you as an MC, what is the greatest feature of all time? And who is it? The greatest feature of the, all time. The best guest 16 in hip-hop history. Who is it? And what is it? That is that is heavy. I'ma say <laughs> I'ma say it's a tie. Mm-hmm. I'ma say it's a tie between Buster Rom scenario. Okay. And DMX Money Power Respect. Ooh, okay. That's that's heavy right there. Yeah, all yeah. right. That's your time. Bust around the DMX. The whole energy, the whole energy changed once both of them came on. Yeah, that's true. They changed the dynamic of the song. That's mm-hmm. true. Okay. Next question. Life is the classroom without walls. Hip hop is education without limitation. What does that mean to you? Life is education without walls. Hip hop is education without limitation. Mm. That's that's profound, you know, because you have free range, you know, in each of those different things to figure out how you want to be looked at, you know, what you want your story to be. When you look at life, you know, you have free range to whether you want to be the worst person in the world, the greatest person in the world, the most kindest person in the world. It's up to you, you know, and when we all die, you know, because that's inevitable, Somebody that was there to see you within your life are going to be able to tell that story. With hip-hop, you know, it's the same way. You know, with hip-hop, if you put in the work, you know, and you really want to make, you know, your stamp, you know, and kind of shift the culture, you have, you know, the ability to do that, whether you shift the culture for the good or for some stuff that we've kind of seen recently in the last couple of years, whether you shift the culture for the worse, you know, but the ball is in your court. Okay, I like that. Let's put the ball in your court. You have a dream scenario to have make your perfect song. Who's doing the beats? Who is your features? Dead or alive, no limitations. <laughs> Who's doing the beats? Um, so I'm going to say for a beat, I would have to go with... I'm going to say Alchemist. Mm. For me, I'm going to go for a beat from Alchemist. Or Q-Tip. I'm going to say okay. either or. It depends what mood I'm in. Alchemist or Q-Tip. I know I keep giving you ties, but... I That's fine. Hey, it's your interview. I'm not going to limit you. I said no limitations. Go right ahead. For a feature, I would say... For a feature, I probably would say Freddie Gibbs today. 
Today, I would say Freddie Gibbs. Okay. He's very underrated. Mm-hmm. By, by mm-hmm. far, because even this verse he had with Method Man on that soundtrack, that, that was crazy. He, 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 yeah. He's very uh, under, underappreciated. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Next next question then. The definition of college is not what we think of today. College in the ancient world was when a group of people, mostly men of course, but when people got together and they debated. And in debating, they were forced to study, have have a, a, a ideal that they wanted to converse about. Talk to other men of different ideals, weigh options, and then go back and study to prove themselves right. Mm. Is hip-hop college or is hip-hop not on that level today? I think if you break it down the way you just did, hip-hop is college. How so? In a sense that... Since we now have, like I, like I said before in my journey, you know, access to this information, you know, you have individuals who can present themselves as professionals first, mm-hmm. then do the work second, and then come back to defend what their points were the previous. You know, mm-hmm. if we look at social media, if you look at just Instagram specifically, you can start a business page. You can go to categories and you can call yourself whatever you want without doing the work and then start to do the work. And then if people debate you on it, you can then deactivate your account, rebrand, and start again. That's fact. Okay. But but wait, but wait. That's interesting that you said that because, look, check, check, check this out, Elise. The debate is the part that bothers me when it comes to hip-hop because so many people are so – fucking emotional that they can't even have a counter opinion especially now in cancel culture or in the butthurt feeling culture where you don't like me well i'm gonna make a diss song about you and the shit's usually corny and people don't people can't exist without not being butt butt buddies or or huggers so Mm -hmm. with that distinction is it really college or is it just wah wah (laughs) like a better word I mean that's true. Uh, today we today is the day that everybody wants to have an opinion and wants to be heard. So it's not even debating at this point. It's who can shout in the room the loudest. And that's sad, right? right? Mm-hmm. So then I'll ask you this question: True and Living is being challenged by Heritage Hip Hop not only to step up for some interviews, but to come on, but for you to come onto the Mic Council and share some of your knowledge with some of the people who may not know of you. And to show them that hip-hop is more depth than just the people that you know. Of course, everybody knows all the MCs, but a lot of people don't really truly respect the hip-hop thinkers. I would love for me, you, and other people who really take this culture and this movement serious to sit down with a Roland Martin, to sit down with a Kamala Harris, a Cory Booker, and um, the Honorable Raj J. Baraka, and really have a roundtable and discussion about what hip-hop is and how politics needs to include us in the movement, not just think of us as making songs and performing at their rallies to be part of their movement. You see what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. And I would love that. You know, when everybody criticized J. Cole, you know, for the new song, I said, hey, 
you guys that are out there criticizing J. Cole because y'all want him to be your college professor, I'm an MC and a college professor. I'll wear that on my shoulders if y'all want me to. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was dope. I was kind of speechless on that one. So we're going to go to our final question. And once again, everybody that's listening, thank you for listening. This has been a pleasure for me, and I can't wait to have further conversations with you, my God, because this was dope, and I really appreciate you. So the last question, and the most important question I asked for everybody in their first interview was this. Unfortunately, one day you're not going to walk this earth anymore. Heaven forbid, and I don't wish for it to happen any time soon. Let me put that out there, especially in today's days and times. I don't. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, there's going to be a day when we pass away. And 2,000 years from now, somebody's going to open up the Jersey Capsule Archive of not only education, but hip-hop and entertainment and all that stuff, and your name is going to be there. And whether they have this weird little thing that Martians play with called the MP3, <laughs> or <laughs> they find a laptop, because they don't even use laptops anymore, but say they find one, and they find your music, or they find your book, or they find your dissertation, or they find what True and Living's community work was. Mm -hmm. My question is to you, what is the legacy that you leave behind in this world? Not for your own personal remembrance, but what is the legacy that you leave behind that made the world better because you are who you are and you did what you did, not only for hip-hop, but for the community in general with your movement? I would like for people to understand that you can really, you can really put your mind to what you want to do, and if you put in the work, that it'll happen and that you don't have to worry about what people will think about you. You don't have to worry about how people have previously seen you, that you can get up and shift and change and start to do things that you, you know, believe, you know, are, are um, speaking to your value. And that in the same time, you know, you you can make, you know, changes and inspire others to do the same. You don't always have to wear one hat. You don't always have to be this type of person. But if it's going to be, you know, a drastic change to be able to help and assist others and change the world for a better, you can get up and do it no matter if you're 10, 20, 50, 70, when you decide to do it. And at the end of the day, everybody, always believe because your beliefs are not you. Your beliefs are the inspiration that God gave you to find your work because God gives man a work, man gives man a job. And while your jobs can always change, your work is your purpose, and your purpose is pre purpose is prevalent to any and everyone outside of this world being yourself and those outside of your, of your personal self to the hip-hop and global culture worldwide. So everybody out there, thank you for listening. Once again, we say peace, and we out. All right, peace, Karev. Thanks for having me again, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. Keith Chandler is somebody I respect when it comes to the hip hop community because he did not take his education and run. He went back to the hood to make sure he can give people the benefits of an education and teach them how to elevate with it. That's the duty of a man in society. It is not only to be a breadwinner it's also to be a living example for people to see and excel from your example as well so salute to Keith Chandler True and Living's movement and the music that he has going on in the community and to everybody in his classroom 
Play this for your classroom, bro. That's This is a very important interview. So everybody out there listening, thank you for supporting Heritage Hip Hop. We ask that you continue to support us by going to our website, www.heritagehiphop.com, where we feature more of your future favorite artists right now. If you would like to donate, we have a donate button there. And if you would like to wear some apparel and show us and show the world that you're proud of Heritage Hip Hop and how we support and make the culture look alive, you can go to our store at www.storefrontier.com forward slash heritage hip hop. Once again, this show is brought to you by Transparent Credit Repair, the superheroes of the financial literacy and credit repair world. If you're looking to fix your credit and to put money into your wallet instead of taking it out to pay bills, you can contact them at www.transparentcreditrepair.com or you can call them at 862-250-5122 and remember to tell them you were referred by Heritage Hip Hop. Before we get out of here, we want to give a shout out to everybody who makes this show possible. Our virtual assistant, Fatty's Place. If you're looking to make your social media pop and bring more eyes to your movement, contact Fatty's Place at F-A-D-D-Y-S-P-L-A-C-E on Instagram. Also, for marketing, promotion, and placement, we partner with Wildfire Marketing, ran by a prolific MC and businessman, Firejaws. You can contact him on Instagram at F-I-R-E-J-A-W-S. The Heritage Hip Hop Network also has two other shows on it as well. We have Diamonds Entertainment LLC, D-I-E-M-E-N-Z Entertainment LLC on Instagram, and we have The Big A Show, where I'm the co-host of a crazy show about politics, sports, and anything in the entertainment field. The host is Adiar. He is A-H-D-A-Y-A-R on YouTube where you can see season one and season two is coming soon. Before we close out this show, we want to give a very big shout out to everybody out there that's protesting and letting their voices be heard. It's not about making our pain a hashtag. It's about going out there and representing to make change in the community and in our society. So everybody out there that's fighting for change and fighting for your voice to be heard to ensure a better future for the children that we have that's going to come up in our community generation to generation. I thank you for everything that you're doing, whether you're protesting, marching, hashtagging, sharing or having conversation and dialogue about the things that are going on. It's hard being a parent in these days and times, but in these days and times, always know that there's good that's going to come out of it. God will never leave us alone into the evils of the world. And with that, we say peace and we out. <laughs>